Um, I'll just go ahead and throw the intro out there. Hello, everybody. I'm Thomas Zachary. This is the next episode of the KAAMP. I'm joined by another cool and local artist today. Would you go ahead and please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Amy. Um, I'm the artist behind June Dog Art. And what is June Dog Art? June Dog Art is essentially just whatever I make. I'd consider myself, I'm primarily a painter, but I do a lot of multimedia work. I like woodworking, epoxy. I work with plants that I forage. Um, basically anything I can get my hands on, if I can make something out of it, I will. Sound a lot like myself. <laughs> it's like, what do you do? Um, whatever I damn well, please. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a lot of people will think that my name is June. June is actually my dog. <laughs> Um, I named it after her. I'm glad we got that clarification out of the way early. (laughs) That way there's not a mystery anymore. I was like, but you can call me June. I will answer. (laughs) At this point, you're used to it, I'm sure. Yes. (laughs) So one of the things I like to ask folks is, can you give me sort of like a a timeline walkthrough of what mediums you've used up until this point in your life? Yeah. um... So when did you first art and what did you first art with? And then... What are you arting with now and everything in between? All right. I'd like to start by saying I never wanted to be a painter. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is the funniest thing is I never wanted to be a painter. Um, I actually started, I would say, like, sixth grade. I'm about to give myself away. Um, I was really into anime in middle school. So I started writing comic books. Oh, no. Yep. The I gateway know. drug. Yeah, I was like revealing a little bit of my my weeb background. Um, (laughs) And then so both of like middle school, I drew comic books until I got to high school. And I kind of like started to get away from that because I got accepted into we had like a technical school where so for half the day I would do like graphic design. Um, So instead of like traditional school, I would go to my, like, public school, high school for half the day, and then I would go to, like, a design school for half the day. Very cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. It's probably the only reason I didn't drop out of high school. Like, let's be real. It could be true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that was, like, a lot of graphic design, like, a lot of computer work. But through that, I got... They taught me how to use gouache and do lino cutting. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I took to that much more than I did graphic design. That, that's, I think that's a funny pair of things to like join with all the digital stuff, but, yeah. it, but it's good that there's a tangible aspect to it. And that's like, they were trying to teach you design. Like it was kind of like fast tracking you to go to art school for graphic design. That was mm-hmm. kind of their thing is we built a portfolio, but I was like, yeah, this sucks. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to make logos for like, I don't know, boring stuff for the rest of my life. That sounds terrible. Um, I'm kind of terrible at like, given strict guidelines, you know? Yeah, when you have a very defined set of conditions and rules to stick to. Yeah, and also like the clients never write. Like, <laughs> I'll be like, "This looks good," and they're like, mm, "But can you do it this way?" I'm like, mm, "That looks heinous," <laughs> but you're paying me, so, right. so I'll, I'll do what is asked of me. <laughs> yeah, I, I had in this vein, I had somebody ask me to Photoshop their heads on to some different celebrity bodies, and I was just like, "Man, I don't, I want to make this look good." And they're like, "No, make it oversized with a really poor cut out of my face. Just make it bad on purpose." And, <sighs> you know you just have to take a step back and be like yeah okay this is not what i would want but i'm gonna do this because you asked it's what you want (laughs) this is what you're paying me for mm, we honestly like i got procreate recently and the worst thing i've been doing is we have like screenshots of like bad tinder profiles that we'll like put Mm. into photos of our friends that's like my favorite thing ever it's so fun um i like this idea (laughs) <laughs> I was like, save it for later. That's like one of my friends' like birthday presents was like her surrounded in bad Tinder profiles mm. we've saved. Um, We're going deep early. Yeah, this is how I am. Um, I'm very, so I'm actually from just outside Detroit. I'm not a Tennessee native. I was like, this is how like Northerners are. We're very much like up front. Well, I mean, I wasn't surprised by the the you know honesty of the conversation it's just that 
We've been recording for a solid five minutes now, and we're already talking about how we screw with our friends. <laughs> so, you know, it's all good. It's a passion, you know? Mm-hmm. That's why mm-hmm. I wake up out of bed in the you morning. You love them, so you treat them the best. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, that's really all I took for it. And I actually stopped doing art for a long time um, after high school. I had some scholarships to go to art school, and I was like, hmm. That sounds expensive. So did you stop doing creative things as a whole, or did you just find a different creative thing to do while you weren't, quote-unquote, making art? I think I kind of stopped altogether. Um, I moved out at 18, and so it was kind of like that all got put on a pause while I got my foothold in the world. Yeah, that's fair. Makes sense. Yeah, and I didn't come back to it, and I think until I was like about 24, and that's, I've been painting since I was 24. So from 24 till now, what are the things you've been playing with? Um, I started with gouache and watercolor. Um, I'd been like a black and white artist for so long that I decided I'm like, oh, I probably should learn about color. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> so I picked up gouache on a watercolor set and started working with that. And then from there I got into acrylic and that's, that's my bread and butter. Like, I love acrylic paint. I mean, that's that's most of my work. So, it's, yeah. It's so bold. It dries fast. Um, I tried oil, and I just stick my arm through it. Like, And I, I don't have the patience to wait three months for a piece to dry. Exactly. I'm like, honestly, like right now at home, I've got a two easel set up. I've got like two paintings going at the same time, and I'll have two separate palettes. And while one's drying, I'll start working on the other, and then I'll flat back and forward because it's like I can work on this one for a half hour while this one dries, and then a half hour on that one. I've done some of that, but then I'm just like, how did I start four paintings? Yes. Why are there five of these here? I don't understand. Which color goes where? Rabbit hole. It, it just turns into a mess, mm-hmm. especially like, I don't know, they're always like two very different palettes. And then I'm like, ooh. I have to, like, go from, like, working in these, like, reds and blues and, like, hazy colors to, like, dark blacks and navies. Like, it's, like, stretching my brain in a different way. Yeah, I I get that. And what really happens that screws me up is when I accidentally dip the brush in the wrong palette and then take this and put it over there where it's not supposed to be. And then, like, well, shit, how do I integrate this mistake that I can no longer change? You know, like, you just have to roll with it after you screw that up or start all over. There's no in-between. That's kind of the beauty of painting, though, is I feel like, especially like with acrylic, it's it's making mistakes and seeing what you can do with it. And I think that's helped me in a really like spiritual way where I'm like releasing a bit of control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, uh, you see these things here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to think it's adding a bit of order to the chaos, but sometimes it's the other way around. And... You know, I can't tell you which one of those breaststrokes was a mistake, but I guarantee at least <laughs> one of them was. You know, that changed the whole course of the thing. So be it. You know, it, that's the beauty of it. Yeah, I agree. I was like, yeah, I like, I'm very, I enjoy like the balance in everything. So this is very like satisfying to look at. Oh, I do stuff like this to maintain my sanity. So yeah, I that. yeah, <laughs> most certainly. That's exactly how this works. Um, and like these. Three, and then there's another one hidden behind the ottoman there that are brand new. Oh, nice. That I've done in the last two months, I think. Nice. But yeah, yeah, order to the chaos. And so I can make it to work on time and not kill my coworkers. I yeah. feel that. They, they appreciate it, trust me. <laughs> I feel <laughs> <laughs> It's like I recently, well, I mean, it's been about a year now. I made a big job change in order to focus on painting more. Cause I found myself like coming home from like my prior job and just being like, I'm so drained. I don't have any time to paint. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, I'm going to be a miserable human being if I don't paint. Mm-hmm. Like I need to do this for everybody else's benefit and my own. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what, um, context or style or, uh, aesthetic would you say you've developed or maintained? had somebody one time call myself like macabrely beautiful um which i like i don't know if that's quite accurate because i don't feel like my work is macabre i paint a lot of skulls 
Um, but I feel like it's more so that beauty of like balance between life and death. And I feel like that's what I try to achieve is like a little bit of realism with like a hint of spiritual, if that makes sense. A hint, a sprinkling of. Yeah, just a sprinkling of. <laughs> like in my paintings, like I research the plants I'm putting in to make sure that like their spiritual connotation is like pointing toward what I'm trying to emphasize. Like, my second-to-last finished piece was called Inner Child Work, and it was a rib cage with baby birds in it, and it was surrounded in, um, gosh, I can't think of what the flowers are called now. It's a beautiful spring flower, um, but I chose that flower because it, like, is that fresh renewal that... Um, inspiration that new beginning like that emphasis of spring kind of like healing from our past traumas so we can start anew and that's like the crocuses that's the flower um there you go <laughs> came, came around to it yes i was like i'm a big botany nerd so like i research all my species like i'm working on this painting right now the only it's a commission i was given like the word that they're looking for is just live oaks live oak trees and so i was like huh so can live oaks and dogwoods grow in the same like growing zone like are they going to be in, found in the same biosphere and like mm -hmm. i do all that sort of research before i put plants together just so dorky but like. well i mean <laughs> being thorough never hurts yeah and if it's satisfying for you to, as part of the creative process to learn these things then i don't see any issue with it yeah it just it, it adds to it for me i'm like also, there's science in there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it covers all the bases. <laughs> yes. So, do you ever do you have plant people friends? Oh yeah. That that you have these conversations with too. Oh yeah. Call them up at two a.m. Like, hey, I need to put this plant in this painting. Is this gonna work? Yeah. That's amazing. And like, it's funny because I'll like find all these new species through tunneling down, like looking at different plants, and then I'll be like, hey. I just found this like Japanese version of a magnolia. Like you need to look at this flower. Like it's beautiful. <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, I've got posters of it all over my house. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah. That's in the like so-and-so family of this genus. And I'm like, I don't know it like that, but isn't she pretty? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's okay. I don't know about those words, but look at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was a greenhouse management major. So, oh, so yeah, yeah, I was like, I also used to landscape full time, so like, very, very into plants. Well, it would it would help if you're going to paint them a lot. Yes. So, why why the skulls and the plants? Um, I think I've always had like a fascination with like bones and stuff coming from like when I was a kid. Like if I found like skulls and like creeks and stuff that i was playing and like i was Just dragging back to the house and be like hey yeah. look at this crazy stuff absolutely <laughs> like leave that outside i know I, <laughs> my mom hates it my favorite <laughs> is last time i moved she flew in to help me and i just had all these boxes that just said dead stuff <laughs> She was like, I hate this. It's like, you're carrying this one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did it specifically to annoy her. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it just comes from that. Like, there's just this, like, inseparable thing about me that I see everything as that balance of life and death, of dark and light. So the two are so, like, inseparable, inseparable that I like to continuously put them in paintings together to show that like contrast and oneness. So the theme, uh, the duality of it is really entertaining to you. Absolutely. You have to have balance. Mm -hmm. And that's how I find my balance is dead things and plants. Flowers. Dead things. <laughs> <laughs> what keeps me sane, dead things and plants. Exactly. And like <laughs> each painting, I'm kind of like working through different animals too. Um, that in that, like, I pick the animal for its spiritual connotations. Like, I just finished one of a goat skull because I was looking for something like hard headed and fierce and stern. 
Um, I'd do it. Yeah. <laughs> and like before that, I did a bobcat skull. Um, that one's off to a new home and I couldn't be happier. Sweet. But yeah. So it's like I pick my animals and my plants together. Now, is that, does that happen from one end of the thought process to the other? Like, is this, is this linear or is it like, oh, hey, this thing, uh, this animal, what would go with it? Or would it be, you know, I'm, I'm here, this thing reminds me of this plant, what animal could I pair with it? Does it go back and forth? Um, or is it always from one to the other, whatever direction that may be? It's usually like I'll start with the animal and then I'll kind of start like feeling out my color palette and then I'll be like, hmm, you know what this needs? Like, and I'll add like a splash of this mm. and a splash of that. And it's almost like I just, as like the piece starts forming, because I don't like, I don't know, I feel like it, these images more so come to me rather than I logically create them. Ooh, that's an excellent thing to say. <laughs> and that leads me to one of my favorite questions. Yes. Um, how, what Could you put a number or a ratio on things that come to you versus things you genuinely say you created yourself? So is it like 60-40, 70-30, 50-50 versus ideas that come to you versus ideas that are yours? I would say 70-30. 70 come to me, 30 are mine. Um, I would say like my block printing and more of like the stuff I bring to markets like jewelry and like coming from like a market standpoint almost like my 25 and under price points those are things that I make where I'm like oh this would be cool let me like assemble all these things almost like almost like collaging where I find things and then like I logically put them together in a way that looks good my paintings those are those are gifts oh yeah yeah gifts gifts i like that yeah my actually my signature is a sigil that means like um let inspiration fall continuously i dig it yeah it's just a tiny prayer that this won't be the last mm -hmm. piece i'm given <laughs> I, I i would have to say in, in my experience of being one of these creative type people that 70 30 is probably a pretty good guess most of the time mm -hmm. because sometimes you know you just have these ideas hit you that you have no idea where they came from and you're, they just like smack you across the face like i'm here now bitch what are you gonna do oh, yeah. you know and it's you just have to paint the thing or draw the thing or do something about it and then others are just like oh i'm gonna sit down and do this <laughs> and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't i feel like the 30 percent. i don't get as much joy out of it either um I find a lot of joy in executing the thing that I, you know, uh, I feel confidently executing. You know, the thing mm -hmm. I see in my head is some semblance to the thing that ended up on the physical object I'm working on. So that's nice. I always feel accomplished. But there's definitely a difference between the things that come to you and the things that you generate yourself. I feel like you can look at, if, if you know a person well enough, you can be like, that wasn't your idea, but it looks really good. You know, that, <laughs> like that's not a thing you would come up with. How did you do this? You're like, and, this isn't you. <laughs> right. And, and that's, and I don't say that in a, like a derogatory way, but you know, people's styles aren't always as consistent as they would like them to be. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those things stand out. Oh yeah. And I think finding your own style is so hard. I had this whole like mental war with myself on like referring to myself as an artist. Up until I think last year was the year I was finally like, no, I am an artist. Like, this is my thing. Um, this is finally what I realized. This is what I'm good at. Right. <laughs> um, I need to stop wearing other hats because that's just suits me. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but um, I think that was like the hardest thing is because I don't feel like, feel like I had a definitive style. But I guess I didn't know my craft well enough, nor myself well enough at that time. And now it's like I I stand proudly behind my work, whereas mm -hmm. before I used to be like, ooh, I don't know. Like you would timidly say that I made this instead yeah. of being like, I made this. This is me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I still get that like timid. There's still that like artist like self-loathing that we all grapple with where <laughs> yeah it's we like, all carry with us every day yeah. <laughs> it's it's that whole i'm a genius i'm a worm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> back and forth constantly <laughs> i mean I, I can say in my work that the things that are the pretty things i see in my head mm -hmm. 
are very different from the social commentary or political commentary things the 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 less tangible real life aspects of things I wish to communicate like uh the piece with the fist holding the rose there like, mm-hmm. that doesn't look anything like what we've got laid up against the wall here so that's the like real life commentary things that I'm actively thinking about in my brain mm-hmm. and these kind of things are the things that my brain passively presents to me when I have you know free time inside my skull absolutely yeah I can see that because I wouldn't think like I wouldn't put those two things together that piece is a part of a series of like five pieces this is another oh, cool. one of it that it was all based on um, <clears throat> socio-economic political commentary stuff yeah which is not necessarily my wheelhouse because I like making just you know objectively pretty things Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just gotta do, you know. I had I had things to say, so I painted them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a small section of the things that are just strictly of my own genesis, and then this is the other stuff. Mm-hmm. That seventy percent. Yeah, th- this is the seventy percent. Yeah, exactly. And then pieces like this and that one are the are the the thirty percent for sure. I think like my thirty percent. I think that's why I struggle with commission work so bad. Is just like I'm given context to work within, and I don't feel like as inspired by it. I don't. I don't often take commissions. Um, I have one right now. I'm very excited about. That's but, a plus. Huh? That's a plus. Being yeah. excited about it. Oh my god, I'm so excited <laughs> about this piece, um, James. I hope you listen to this so then you can know how excited I am. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I, I I definitely struggle. Like, commission work, I'll have, like, a two-month deadline. And then I'll be like, hmm, I'm going to wait until three days before. It's like six weeks in. I haven't even touched the thing I'm going to paint this on yet. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how I was in college, too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that happens a lot in the formal education department. Absolutely. I was like, my best work is always at 3 a.m. Like, let's be real. <laughs> I've, tried to, I've tried to move that 3 a.m. work to, like, 10 p.m., Oh, yeah? Because it works way better for my day's time life schedule now. Yeah. But it doesn't always work out that way. That's fair. No, never. <laughs> I hate that it's the 3 a.m. stuff, too, because I need to be doing that shit at, like, 10. Yeah. Real bad. Like, but it's never. Prime time. <laughs> yeah. You know, when normal people are doing normal things, not degenerate things that I should be doing otherwise. My problem is, is like, my best time to paint is, like, 11 p.m. Um, and then I'll get really caught in a painting like i i call it flow state like all right let's go there yep. what's a good creative day for you look like Ooh. so typically i'll sit down at my easel around like eight or nine o'clock at night um with iced coffee because I'm oh god an absolute <laughs> crazy person um i will drink coffee all times of the day right now i'm trying mushroom coffee to like ease my addiction because it's not good um is it mud water i've tried yeah. the mud water i'm trying mud water right now i actually love it it's it's tasty yeah it is um and I we are not sponsored by mud water no we are not <laughs> <laughs> i just love it um so i have been trying that like i only had half a cup of coffee today instead of my normal pot um which is that's fantastic. a big plus yeah that's a big plus um so typically i'll sit down at my easel around like eight or nine o'clock at night and then paint till two in the morning I'm I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. So really? a good creative day for me looks like I wake up at seven thirty eight o'clock and then go sit down at my table and work on whatever on on the opposite end of the clock. So it's like, <laughs> it'll be from like you know seven thirty to two or whatever, and I find myself like thirsty and hungry and have a headache. <laughs> and I'm like I'm a person. I need to go like take care of this. What the hell have I been doing? And then I look down at the table and then there's this thing I just made. But where'd the time go? It's been six hours and I haven't drank anything. <laughs> you know. So that's usually when I remember that I'm a human and need to go, like, consume water and food. Yep. Yeah. That's the worst. Like, I almost say, like, when I'm in a manic creative stage, like, when I'm really into a painting, I just forget to eat Mm -hmm. for hours on end. Yeah. Um, But it's just, like, that doesn't matter. Getting out what's in my head matters Mm -hmm. more. And and when you're in the flow state, like, what you're going to make for breakfast or dinner doesn't matter. I don't want to eat. Right, because like, you just, just want to like, do a slice of bread. Like, <laughs> I'm not better than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's I don't know, man. That's a weird one, and I, I'm happy to hear that you achieve uh, flow state things in your process because I feel kind of sad for people that don't. 
uh, not that that's a good or a bad thing. It's just, it's helped me a lot and mm-hmm. it's helpful for other people. And, you know, I just don't see how some people don't find it in their creative process somehow. Yeah, that's honestly, I feel like that's, that's the drug I chase. I'm looking for my flow state. <laughs> that's, that's why I wake up every day. Well, do you do uh, any like physical things like exercise or ride a skateboard or oh, yeah. run or any, any of those things? Yeah, so- I like, I love hiking. That's actually why I moved to the South. Um, is because I wanted to be closer to the mountains. I love rock climbing. I love swimming. I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. Like I love, um, cliff jumping. Um, I used to ride motorcycles, like big adrenaline girl, probably why I drink a pot of coffee and feel nothing. Yeah, that might be it. But yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of my thing with like my health being the way it is right now. I'm, I'm hoping to get back to it soon once i'm allowed um but that's kind of like my big thing yeah that's fair but uh i'd hate to keep anybody off a motorcycle oh my god (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you know i love i love riding i sold mine when i moved here and i'm waiting until i'm like at a point to buy another one um to me like that's one of the most freeing feelings oh i can only imagine um I, I have a longboard that I carve around mm-hmm. on, and I love it. I don't, uh, I don't go bombing any hills or nothing because <laughs> I'm not trying to splatter my brains on the sidewalk. But I'll take it and I'll go downtown or hit a parking garage or something, and just you know, like scoot around and uh, not have to think about anything for a little while. It's really nice. Oh yeah, I used to longboard. I ripped this whole eyebrow off. Um, longboarding. So oh, that's a story. Let's. I retired. <laughs> Your whole eyebrow. My whole eyebrow. This whole eyebrow, my left eyebrow, is brand new. Um, brand, a brand new eyebrow. Yeah, yeah. So it's straight from the factory? Straight from the factory. No mileage. She's crisp. Oh, my God. <laughs> I like to say I have a buddy that can get people low mileage toes if they need some new low mileage toes, but a new eyebrow is, is a new one on me. I I mean, I got pretty lucky. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Um... My whole eyebrow was gone, and I remember, like, you driving. You peel it backwards, like, on the street? Yeah, like, it was just gone. <laughs> um, it was gone. Part of my stomach, like, was gone. Um, oh, you got some serious road rash then, huh? I got some serious road rash. Have you ever had road rash? Yes, it sucks. I hate it. <laughs> Did they take the spiked sponge to you? Um, No, oh but God. I feel like they did everything but that. <laughs> <laughs> For our listeners, can you please describe that sponge? Um, so basically, <laughs> what happened with me, I had like rocks all in my stomach. Mm-hmm. So it's like literally, t- imagine your sponge you wash your dishes with, but like with tiny, like soft plastic spikes on it, almost like a cat hair brush, but out of plastic. And then they just like rake gravel out of your skin. Yeah. Sounds pleasant. It, it was a time. I survived, and then they sewed my eye, a new eyebrow on. Not like they didn't put the hair back on, but they had to like sew it together. So then I had an eyebrow made out of stitches for like two weeks. It was cute. That's gnarly. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty cute. I mean, I would have busted that on the internet for sure. Oh, my parents made. Fo- it was this is back when I was like nineteen. <laughs> my parents used to like drag me, drag me out to make fun of me to their friends. You're kidding. No. Such good parents. <laughs> I know. Both of them was it the cooperative thing. It was a cooperative thing. They oh, thought it was teamwork. hilarious. Oh man. They're like, look at our daughter. She screwed herself up on the skateboard. Ha ha ha. Basically. <laughs> oh, God. As I'm like missing patches out of my stomach and knees, and I'm like. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Right, yeah. (laughs) The amount of bandages I have does not make this funnier. No. No. I'm just, I'm accident prone, and so I think at this point my family's all just like, (laughs) like Amy did it again. Right, when you call and you're like, hey, uh," and they're like, what was it this time? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of have that role with my family, too. not going to lie. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what that's like. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, good creative day covered that base. Um, do do you have any? Um, this is kind of a two part question. Yeah. Do you have influences, uh, other artists, nature, whatever it may be, that find its way into your work versus inspirations that you have that don't find their way into your work? 
I mean, I think clearly as any like passionate female painter, obviously I'm a huge Frida fan. I love her work. Um, I read like a 600 page biography on her last summer and it like changed my life. (laughs) So I think you'll see hints of me being inspired by her. I'm also a huge fan of Mooka. Do you mm. know Alphonse Mooka? I have a shower curtain of Ugh. the the moon goddess. Ugh. I love his work. <laughs> like one of my dreams is to go to Prague and see his like history of Czechoslovakia collection, mm. which I'm Czech, so I'm like very like that's so cool. So I I think like I'm actually working on a piece inspired by him right now. It's one of those. It's gonna take me like six months probably. Also. I take a lot of inspiration from tarot. Um, there's, like, I just sold my biggest painting ever. Thank you so much, Liz, for taking him home. Um, he was based off of the Hermit and the Eight of Discs cards. And so, like, you'll see a lot of, like, tarot references in my work. So Esoterica is a wheelhouse of yours? Oh, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> It's my obsession with death, not give it away. Well, that's <laughs> esotericism and, and, well, I won't say those are like super mutually exclusive. Yeah, that's fair. But they often ride in the same truck. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> They're very commonly associated. So I was like over last summer slash, I mean, I guess it took me, it was part of a three-part series. The third was like this four-foot painting of like a cloaked figure with a skull holding the lantern like the hermit. Um, and then I had... Um, the aid of discs kind of like worked into the background and I think you'll see a lot of like esoteric themes in my work in some of my more symbolic pieces just because like I've read my own tarot cards for 10 years so it's kind of like I easily work those symbols in because that's how I've like right, they're, in, they're in your head and they yeah. get tossed around a lot exactly so like right now I'm working on a huge piece that she's on the shelf right now because it was too heavy for me to <laughs> work on for a little while. I'm going to let her stew before I finish it. And it's kind of like a tarot mooka inspired woman. Like bending fire and water together. Uh, I can understand how that could be badass. Yeah. yeah run it. <laughs> I was like, I gotta, I gotta like sit on her for a little bit and become a better painter to finish it. Yeah. Is that, um, when you have ideas hit you like that, do you normally just kind of let, let them marinate in your mind for a little while? Yeah, some of them, like, I'll get that first flash where I'm like, this is what it's going to be. And then I'll get, like, like right now I'd say, like, the canvas is probably, like, this big. And I have, like, the woman and, like, the base of the background done. Um, and then I'm like, I'm not ready to finish this. I don't know if, like, I need to grow as a person more or I need the idea to bake a little harder before I get the rest of the image in my head. So... Uh, how do you know when it's done? Well, that's a tough one. Yeah, it is a tough one because yeah. I struggle with this too. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's tough. I started. Well, I mean, done in your head to actually done start in my painting. Head. Not done, done on the canvas, but done digesting the idea. Ma'am, do you have any input? She has a lot of input. And you stick a microphone in the cat's face and all of a sudden she shuts up. How about that? <laughs> but yeah, how do, how do you know when the idea is done in your head? That's kind of, I think. I don't even know if it's if I know if it's done in my head. Well, the the air quotes done. The done. Um, <laughs> I almost feel compelled to work on that piece. It's almost like an insatiable need to pull it back out. Like especially if it's like on the shelf, it'll be like I can't think about anything else. Like right now, one of my paintings I'm like really into, and it's just like. I don't want to really do anything else. This is what I want to do. That's the majority of your focus right now. Yeah. And it's like almost like I start to fiend. I'm like, (laughs) like I'm so grateful to my boyfriend. We're like, he's very good about doing parallel play with me because sometimes I'm like, I just like, I want to see you, but I really need to work on this piece. Yeah. So you do you over there. (laughs) Yeah. So He's so sweet. He'll play video games while I paint. Like it's great. Um, and so it's like, yeah, it's, it's almost like something in my chest compels me to start working and then the piece kind of like falls out. Knowing when it's done on the canvas though is almost like is equally difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have like a rule with myself 
where as soon as I sign it, I'm allowed one more session of touch up and then I'm not allowed to touch Ooh, up. Ooh, that's a good rule. Again. Yes. That's a good rule. Would recommend because it helps you move on. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I try to say once. I try. Okay, so I, I normally forget to sign the stuff until I'm like about to sell it and mm-hmm. I'm like seeing somebody handle it. And I'm like, yeah, let me sign that before. Really? Hold on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And But the, the tipping point for me is if I feel like I touch it one more time, am I going to screw it up? Fair. Like, if I get to that point where I don't know what to do next, or if I do this again, am I going to not be happy about it? Mm-hmm. And that's usually the point where I'm, like, throwing my hands up, feeling defeated. Like, fine, I guess it's done. <laughs> I want to screw it up more than I already have. You know, that kind of thing. So, that's usually where I draw that line. Or where that line falls in my work. I feel One like my brushes start from being big to, like, tiny, 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 tiny. And when I'm working with the tiny baby one, like... You're like, this is it. This, this is, is fine. It. This I'm is like, enough. this is the tiniest brush I own. It's over <laughs> after this. So, a lot of the brushes I use for this kind of stuff are all similarly sized. So, every mm-hmm. now and again, I'll whip out, like, a one-inch kind of, like, angled brush kind of thing. I'm just like, man, this is weird. <laughs> this brush is huge. Oh, my God. I just got this, like, it's, like, probably one and a half inches in diameter, like a mop brush. Have you ever used one of those? I've never used, well, and for food. For food? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for food. Oh, my God. This thing is ridiculous. And, like, the first thing I did was screw up a painting with it. Ah. Because it, like, it holds so much water. And I didn't realize, but I'm, like. So, the first time you, like, drop it down, like, it was just, like, leaking all down the painting. And I was, like, and it was on wood, too. And I was, like. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I had to, like, very quickly, like, take out rags and, like, wipe it off. So, that being said, you paint a lot on, like, um cross sections of limbs and stuff like wooden yeah. pieces like what size normally is what you're working on um I'd say like eight inches about eight inches i used to do really small ones where they were like five inch wood cookies wood um, cookies yes wood cookies all right um and then i started to get tendonitis so bad working on the tiny, 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 tiny baby things because how I started like almost building June dog art was I used to do pet portraits on little tiny ornament sized wood cookies. And like there was one winter where I just kept getting order after order after order. And like I got tendonitis so bad that I was like, no more dogs. (laughs) Don't ask me to paint any more dogs. But pet portraits are so lucrative. They are so lucrative, but God, I just get so bored. (laughs) She was like, Paint a portrait of me, please. Yeah. I was like, I do. Like, I, I really want to paint a portrait of my cat. Draw me like one of your French cats. <laughs> yeah. Um, every now and again, I'll get a really good reference photo of her, like, golden hour sitting in the windowsill. Oh. And I really want to do that, but uh, I don't think... If I'm being totally honest, I don't know if my skills as a, uh, a painter are technically that proficient. <laughs> it's, it's hard. Like, fur is so difficult. Yeah, the translucency of the, like, outer parts of her fur mm-hmm. and the light shining through that. It's almost like you have to put an extra coating of white or yellow or something on whatever it is. It's so strange. There's, um, what what brand paint do you use? Um, I use acrylics, mm-hmm. uh, golden acrylics and Montana spray cans and Cobra spray cans. If I'm doing well. I've used a little Montana. Because st- I'm starting to incorporate spray paint in my work. Um, not there yet. I'm not talented enough with a spray um, can yet. <laughs> I don't have any real examples of how I've used it in this stack. But mm-hmm. it's something I'm playing with to make more like color gradients and randomized patterns. Smart. And it's uh, it's fast for those kind of things. It's like I've been using it to like get like a haze in the background. Mm. But um, I use Liquitex Basics. Like, I'm not bougie by any means. I love Liquitex paints. They're good paints. I just don't usually buy them most of the time. Ooh. It's so good. I was thinking that when you were talking about, like, the little wisps of her fur. Yeah, that would work. Because you can almost add, like, little highlights and little wisps. But it's not, like, a full opaque white. It's transparent. So you can, like, build it up. That's, like, right now I'm adding fog to things. And so I just use that mop brush and like splatter it on mm-hmm. and like rub it and like build it up. Would recommend. Uh, one, one of the also like really silly things that I've used that probably I guess doesn't get used in this way that often. It's the marble effect spray from Montana. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like silly string and oh. it makes like this randomized um, 
fiber pattern. It you know mm-hmm. it mimics marble stone, but uh, it makes a really good random like stringy sort of pattern on a background, and uh, I use it for that, especially on a small scale mm-hmm. when you're not like doing big square footage that you know you need to make look like actual whatever. Just mm-hmm. as a little abstract application, it works great, and I love it. Mm-hmm. I'll put like a two or three color gradient, and then that stuff comes in. I think black or white, and I'll get black or white on top of that and then do that kind of pinstripey work on top of all that and it looks really cool that's really interesting i've yeah i've never done that i'm like terrible i'm like i love paint splatters and i love paint drips Mm -hmm. so like my poor balcony i i I put yep yep i'm like (laughs) i'm terrible um but i put like I tarp out and I just like splash paint everywhere and usually I'm covered in it mm-hmm. man I mean yeah. I, I paint in these particular shorts a lot so there's just like little spots of primer and junk all over these shorts I don't think I think I have one shirt right now that doesn't have paint on it yep and it's the one I just bought and haven't painted in yet <laughs> and uh, I will eventually paint in this shirt and it will forever have paint on it after that my stuff goes from the nice stuff to like mild paint to full painter's clothes. <laughs> There's a downgrade. I don't think I own a single pair of jogging pants without paint on them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they all have paint on them because I like get it on my fingers and go, you know, like wipe yep. it across or like I'll have the brush in my hand in some funky position, put my hand down, and all of a sudden there's a brush stroke on my pants. Like, you know, that kind of shit. Just say absent minded, I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden, oh, there's paint on me. You know, I understand completely. Tis the life. <laughs> Tis the life. <laughs> I always think it's funny. Like I'll go to like something nice. I I use my legs as a palette a lot. Mm-hmm. It just because I feel like I have more control that way. And I'll like not be paying attention. I'll go somewhere in shorts and look down, and my whole leg is like red covered in paint. And I'm like, we had a late night last night. <laughs> oh, and that doesn't raise any more questions. You know that that that, that solves everything right there. Everyone's like, you're. I'm assuming you're an artist. I'm like, you don't want to know. Yeah. No, I'm like, I don't have a little bit on me. I'll right tell now. you, but you wouldn't believe me. <laughs> the tattoos don't give it away, right? No, not at all. No. None. Because so many different people have tattoos now. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I mean, it's a good indicator. It's definitely a good place to start. I was like, I mean, that's like, I don't know. I'm glad they're more like societally accepted well, these days when your barber and your chef have more tattoos than your tattoo artist the world's a funny thing again. yeah so truly. That's <laughs> yeah a lot of the, a lot of the like well-to-do chefs that i've met in the last couple of years have uh have been really heavily tattooed and gauged ears and piercings and i'm just like man i you can tell they keep you in the back <laughs> but that's my choice because these are usually the people that run the restaurant so whatever mm-hmm. it's their gig I was like, hey, it's because this generation's finally taking over. Right, yeah. That's what, that's what it is. Like, nobody cares unless you've got, like, a swastika on your forehead. My favorite. I used to be a manager, and I remember I was interviewing a kid, and he's just like, do you guys care about tattoos? And I'm like, I have, like, a full sleeve and a chest piece, and, like, both were open. You just look at him, you're like, dude. I know. I was like, yes, we, we care. That's why I'm interviewing you right now, like... You're like, you read the what, room. what ugly shit you got, dude? Let's see it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you could have paid more for that. <laughs> and did he put himself on the spot like that? Did he have any like racy tattoos? No. Nothing visible that no. would cause a stare? No. He was just very young. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, my previous employer uh, had, had like a no facial piercings thing and I have my septum pierced mm-hmm. boss come up to me one day I'd been working there for like two weeks and he's like I noticed you got a nose ring I was like uh, yeah thanks for being vigilant appreciate that he said well you know it's not allowed right and I said uh, yeah I do and I don't give a shit here's why <laughs> the first time you have a little old lady come up to you and say I ruined her experience because this dude has a nose ring I'll think about taking it out but until some little old lady comes up to you and complains specifically about my nose ring, I don't want to hear shit. Never heard nothing about it after that. I was like, yeah, I've never, I've never heard a single thing about any of my like work, except for when my mom comes to town and she's just like, "You got more tattoos." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this is just both of our lives at it's this like, point. Yeah, mom. Every now and again, I spend money on not food and water in, in my house. I was like, I've. 
I pay my rent on time. What do you want from me? Right, yeah, right. <laughs> it's like I'm a, I'm quote unquote a productive member of society. Leave me alone. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, and my mom is the one who got like boardwalk tattoos in South Carolina. Oh my I don't want to hear anything. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you need to know the definition of a hypocrite, <laughs> yeah. there's a mirror in the bathroom. That's hilarious. <laughs> and neither of my parents have tattoos, so they still look at me a little sideways when I get a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one I got was a Zamboni. And I come home and I show my dad. I was like, hey, look, I got a new tattoo. And I pull my arm up, you know. He's like, the hell is that? Zamboni? And I was <laughs> like, yes, that's exactly what this is. It is a Zamboni. I'm glad you recognize because I, I did that for a couple of years at the Coliseum for the city. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, damn, you know, this is so cool. I need uh, I need a Zamboni tattoo. <laughs> so I hit up my artist and I was just like, hey, man, you ever driven, or, uh, drawn a Zamboni before? And he's like, I've never once drawn a Zamboni. So I was like, do it up. Let's go. <laughs> I need a Zamboni tattoo. So like a month later, I had a Zamboni tattoo. That's awesome. Dude, yeah. Was, we were sitting, you know, I was on the table and he was just like, as long as it looks generally like this, it'll be all right. And um, got to the chair, did the thing, and I was like, you're missing one thing. And it was a little handle uh, on an access panel under the hopper to, like, service the engine. And then it was perfect. (laughs) So my my two-hour session to get a Zamboni on my arm ended up primo spot on. It's it's the most recent tattoo, but it's high on the list of favorite tattoos right now. Yeah. Uh, the next one I'm going to get is the um, Untitled Goose Game Goose, but, oh, nice. but with a knife in its mouth. Nice. Yeah, going to have to do that. Nice. That's awesome. I don't know where I'm going to put it yet, but I'm definitely getting it. So, awesome. You know, I've got lots of open real estate. It'll be all right. <laughs> I'm stoked. I'm stoked for you. <laughs> oh, man. I've been thinking about getting that, that particular thing tattooed on me for a while. It's just going to be like black and white uh, mm-hmm. line art, so it's, it'll be super simple and quick, but I love it. It's so dumb. <laughs> I was like, those are the best tattoos. They really are. And, you know, I don't have any uh, uh, birds tattooed on me yet. Mm-hmm. So this will be my first bird tattoo, you know. Uh, nice. It's a very violent, cantankerous, uh, chaos-causing bird. <laughs> I'm, I'm really here for it, to be completely honest. Okay. I have a couple birds on my back, and then I have this bird skull right here. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, you've got a bunch of really nice work on you. Yeah, I go to um, Orange Blossom Tattoo in Clinton. Shannon's my tattoo artist. She's incredible. Like In Clinton? Yep, in Clinton. All right, cool. Yeah, she's awesome. I was like, I want her to do both of my legs completely. <laughs> like, here's flesh, mark it. I know, basically, I was like, please just take my legs. Like, we're, I, I found my artist. I'm happy. Take take my legs. I don't need them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier with her work. Um, I don't know. I feel the more art I have on my body, the more I feel at home. Yeah, that's fair. Like hanging art at home. I don't, I don't like not having ink and I don't like the idea of not getting more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've been toying with the idea of doing a whole sh- a whole tattoo shop podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to find the right shop to oh, yeah. say, hey, yeah, we want to do this. That would be awesome. I'm, I'm putting it out in the universe. I've said it a few times. We'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Manifesting. Uh, maybe. Somebody's <laughs> going to have to meet me in the middle, and that somebody's going to be like five people. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I'm not going to like you know beg anybody to do it, but if they're excited about it, then we'll meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. that's usually how it works out and then you know I reach out to strangers on the internet and it's just like hey will you come talking to my microphone for an hour and some people are like hell yeah <laughs> well you know it works out I mean yeah I mean that's how I'm here yeah exactly you're, <laughs> I was like sure man you're definitely one of the many people that gave me an enthusiastic yes to a stranger on the internet <laughs> <laughs> well I know you interviewed Esther Esther's like a friend of mine okay um and so that's why I was like I was like, a stranger on the internet asked me to be on their podcast. What do you think? And she was like, oh, yeah. He was really nice. So. <laughs> well, that's, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, she's a great, she's a great person. Yeah, I, I enjoyed person. my conversation with her. It was a little more technical than I normally get, but that's fine. It was still good stuff. I was like, she's just, like, very talented and knows her stuff. I'm like, I'm very much self-taught other than, like, graphic design. <laughs> Yeah, she she's very confident in her workflows, which is nice to see. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And She's all the the painting the shoes and the and the prices and, and the accessories and whatnot has been really entertaining for me to watch her do. Oh, yeah. And it seems to be really fruitful for her, so it all works out. Absolutely. She made those uh, those t- those tall boots the other day with the flowers going up the outside of the boots and awesome. on the toe. Yeah, I was like, yes, boots. Like this is absolutely a plug <laughs> for Esther Dot Sketch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go go buy her painted on uh, clothing things <laughs> or anything else she might sell. As, as a former guest on the podcast, you know, go, go support the peoples. Yeah. Um. So what? What are you working on right now? You got any work in progress other than the commission piece? Yeah, um, I'm working on a couple things. I'm working on that big like Muka tarot inspired one right now. So what I'm going to be working on this weekend is a piece that's been on the shelf for a long time. Um, and I finally like I looked at it. I think like Friday last Friday night and was like, it's time. Um, yeah. So I really like working on wood. It's a bit different than working on canvas Mm -hmm. just because you have to like prep the surface, but also like, I love working with wood stains and stuff like that. Like I do woodworking. I use like scroll saws and other things if I want to like cut holes out and this and that. Um, so I'm working on a piece that's like these really moody clouds with like a golden ring behind it. And I'm painting like some hands and leaves over it this weekend. Um, I picked this like really lovely dark wood stain that I'm really excited about. It's like a super, super dark um, walnut almost. Um, so I'm working on that right now. I have taken a step back from epoxy for a while just because of like the cat hair. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the top of the episode when we bitched about cat hair. <laughs> also, it's it's a it's really more intensive of a process than I think a lot of people realize because it's it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of messy. You need a lot of auxiliary materials to really make it nice. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that's a whole ordeal when you start messing with resin. It's it's so much work and like. I I gained, like, a little bit of trend on the internet for I was doing these pieces that, like, I had no idea if this was going to work or not. Um, I was cutting holes into wooden boards and then filling it with epoxy and, like, watercolor paintings and leaves and flowers and stuff like that. Like, making these compositions. And I want to do some more of those. Like, thank you to everyone who's bought those pieces. Like, they're sold out. Um... But, like, the amount of mental breakdowns that go into a single one of those pieces. Uh, like the, the the koi fish and stuff that are painted layer by layer in the bowls and all that kind of I thing. I can't like, even imagine. You paint an eighth of an inch. Each of these layers is like an eighth of an inch apart when you mm-hmm. look down in it. So there's, like, I don't know, 30 layers on some of this stuff. And you have to let each one of those cure for 18 to 36 hours. And, mm-hmm. then, you know, it's going to take you a month to paint a fish that's like three inches long and if you try to sell it someone's like sixty dollars is too expensive and yeah you're like, this I, me. It's, it's like i don't know who to strangle about this yeah. me you like everyone involved yeah yeah it's like, but, never made me do this again yeah and that's like my process like i have to basically build little molds for each piece mm-hmm and I've, like, ruined so many tabletops because, like, the seal doesn't hold. And then and I've got wet epoxy and, everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then I'm over here with my freaking heat gun trying to get all the bubbles out. And then one cat hair's in there, so now i got to do it all over again. And, like, it's, like, it's so beautiful when it's done. There's, like, one piece that I'm keeping specifically for myself, but then everything else is I've sold. And I'd like to get back to it at some point. It's just emotionally, I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, I hate when you do everything right on the front end and you come in the next day to look at the thing and how it's cured and something messed up. Yeah. You just shake your fist at the sky. And it's like, do I want to just add more to the top? Like, I was working on these ones, um, last month where I took actual wood cookies and then I hollowed them out. And then I had, um, I processed a really beautiful woodpecker that I found. Um, so I do a little bit of bone processing, not very good at it yet, just because I don't have the space, but I had processed this woodpecker and taken a lot of its feathers and I had like all its feathers sealed in epoxy with like paintings of like bird skulls and like leaves and stuff. 
and then all the epoxy got messed up. So then I just kept adding more and more. And now I'm like, I think I'm just going to throw it away. Like, this is such a cool idea, but I hate it. And, well, and, and then at that done. point, like, all the other materials, like, where are you going to find another skeleton? Where are you going to find that batch of feathers again? Like, exactly. damn it. This yeah. is, like, one of a kind. Yeah. And that's, like, the problem with this kind of art. It is one of a kind. Like, I use things that I find in nature that I can... Never yeah, you can't just them. sell prints of that. No. 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 And I can't just, like, go harvest woodpeckers. Like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> absolutely not. And it's not like you... You know, I know the mom and pop shop down the street that just keeps stocked on woodpecker skeletons. You know, it's, it's not one of those things. No. Absolutely not. And, like, yeah, there's the whole, like, I don't really like... I want to do all my bones myself. That way it's more ethical. Like, I do the processing. I find them, like, right. in a natural death. That way you know that everything about this has as responsible as it could possibly be. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want any abuse. Like, I'm not into hunting. Like, uh Sometimes you can hear cars go by. <laughs> and when my windows are open, in my super secret studio location, it, <laughs> yes. it's, it's more entertaining. Um a couple of weeks ago, there was a fellow rode by the house on his dirt bike, and he was doing a wheelie. It was really loud and obnoxious, and it caught on caught on tape here. And I was just like, "Man, if you weren't doing that wheelie, I'd be <laughs> really upset with you right now." <laughs> he was being too cool, though. Yeah, I mean, he going up the hill doing a wheelie. I was like, "Hell yeah, brother!" And then I was like, "Damn, I got that on tape." <laughs> <laughs> it all worked like, out though. I've been trying to record like painting time lapses, and. I just get, like, so frustrated when I get to the end of a filming session, and I will look at the quality, and I'm like, you can't see shit that I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you can see progress, I guess, I guess it's not so bad. Yeah. I mean, considering that's the main goal of the time lapse. Uh, yeah. I, I forget, and then, like, my camera will die because I've been working on it too long. Or my memory goes out 20 minutes before I thought I was or should be done. So, yeah, that's great. You catch something, but it's not all the thing you thought you were capturing. And it doesn't end up looking as cool as you thought it was going to be. No, it's just me, like, scratching my beard for 10 minutes and, like, <laughs> you know, like, doing a bunch of this and, like, rubbing my face and thinking about stuff. Look real brooding. Mine's a lot of me petting my cat. And then I'm like, whoops, sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, I got Got uh, into the rabbit hole of petting the cat. Well, I mean, you know, some people might like time-lapse cat pets. I don't know. I mean, I, the like videos I show my cat, I feel like get more attention. And I'm like, <laughs> I get it. She's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, they are cats. It's like uh, the currency of the internet. Almost. Yeah, it is true. She's definitely like... She grew up sitting on the side of my easel when I would paint. Like, she's very much a painter's cat. <laughs> like, she loves studio time because she'll, like, lay on my shoulders while I work. And, like... When I'm on my computer doing the digital stuff, she'll either sit, like, right in front of my feet or mm -hmm. right behind my feet when they're, you know, popped up against the floor. Or uh, sometimes if I have my feet on the cross brace of the back of my table, she'll try to jump up. Uh, on my lap and then like go lay between my knees oh and i'm sitting here trying to do coordinated tasks and like very minute you know complicated things she's just like Meow! you know like smacking at me and shit and i'm like look i'm trying to work you're like if you're coming up here get up here quit wasting my time like make a decision come mm -hmm. on and then she always walks away <laughs> it's the life of a cat thanks that's in my next life i want to be a spoiled house cat you know i i I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, wholeheartedly. But most days when I wake up, I'm just like, I'd rather be a dog. Yeah? Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. I don't have any really hard, <laughs> you know, points about this other than mm -hmm. the fact that I would probably be happy either a cat or a dog. Just in some way where I could maintain a fulfilled life and I didn't have to participate in human society. Same. Yeah. I don't want to have to think about taxes. Yeah. That's kind of the goal. I don't want to... I don't want to. I don't want to be a creature without thumbs and have a day job. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be a police dog. Fuck that. No, absolutely not. I don't want to have to work at the airport. I just want to be a dog. Yeah. Can I be the neighborhood dog where like I have a lot of happy homes to go frequent? <laughs> you know, sometimes they leave cool stuff out on the porch for me. Whatever. You know. Not a bad life. See, bad. no. I don't know. Me, a neighborhood dog, has to be so stressful because like 
I'm somebody that, like, if I see a neighborhood dog, I have to catch it because I'm worried it's, like, lost. Somebody's dog. Yeah, I found a dog named Booger last week. Booger? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was one of the happiest moments of the last month of my life is I actually caught this dog, and he looked like his name would be Booger. And his name was Booger. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome, and I loved every second of it. So how does one catch a booger? Um, honestly, it was That's way what I thought I was going to say today. Um, he literally, he was like this little, like, old pug mix. And he was just, like, trotting down the street. And he had a really bad underbite. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> um, he, like, ran through my boyfriend's backyard. And so, like, I run out the backyard after him. And then he's just trotting down the street. Wait, come back. Let me love you. I know. Like, literally down the sidewalk. Just, like, stiffing the flowers on his way. And then I go to pick him up and he growls at me. And I was like, don't do that, man. And then he looked at me and I just picked him up. Oh, goodness. And then I found him back to his home. He got, like, eight blocks away from home. Apparently, he's, like, neighborhood famous. So, like, some other lady was like, oh, I know that dog. Oh, my God. <laughs> he gets out of that yard all the time. Yeah. yeah she, was, she knew him by name. She's like, oh, that's Booger. I was like, what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, because back home, I used to live next to a park that was, like, famous for people just dumping dogs at. Mm. So, like, I, there was, like, a year, I think my best year, I caught, like, 11 dogs in one year. Damn, that's all, that's yeah. almost one a month. Look at you. Yeah, I was like, I found 10 back to their home, and then number 11's asleep on my couch. Like, I've had Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've you had them for home seven years just, now. <laughs> just happened to be your home. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and that's, like, so I'm from just north of Detroit, so, like, my dog's a pit mix. Those dogs, like, if you take them to a shelter, they're probably just going to mm-hmm. get euthanized. So, I was like, I was definitely too young to get a dog, but... There you are, with a dog. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, she's mine now. Still got her. All right. So, we're we're just past the hour mark. I'm going to ask you two questions, and then out of respect to your time, we can uh, part ways and go about our day. Okay. Um, do you have any um, moonshot projects right now? Moonshot. Moonshot projects, like big lofty things you, you wish to work on or start or accomplish. I'd like to put on like a big solo show. That's something I... This year, I've kind of decided I'm going to take a step back from smaller work, and I'm only working big for the next year of my life. I'm talking big canvas, big pieces. Like So, so uh, put a sense of scale on this big. Like, what physical size are we talking? Um, About four foot minimum canvases. So, 48 inch in either direction yep. and no smaller. Yep. That's big. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. I was like, because I used to work like 12 by 12s mm-hmm. all the time. And I'm like, I don't want to go smaller than four feet. Um, so I think like my moonshot projects right now would be making as big paintings as I can. And finding a space that I can display them in. So that's kind of like where I'm at right now. I got diagnosed with leukemia last month, so um, my future's a little gray just on, like, what I'm going to do artistically this year. Um, That's kind of why I was, like, I'm going to step back from the market hustle and focus on just, like, painting big, meaningful work. I think that's a little bit of a gray definition, but the pieces haven't come to me yet. I just know I'm not going to work small anymore. I mean, I, I think that's a, a good headspace or, or wheelhouse to point yourself in for sure. Yeah. And give yourself some context to the ideas. Like if it doesn't fit in this framework or this under this umbrella, then it's not the thing I want to be working on. Mm-mm. So yeah, that's a good clarification. Um, second question, and usually the last question I ask is, uh, who is... Or who are some Knoxville creative people that uh, the listeners should check out or I should chase to be on the podcast? Oh, If yeah. you can name three, that'd be awesome. But if you can only name one, that'd be cool too. 
Let me see. Hey, this is usually the one that puts people on the spot where they're like, oh shit, now I gotta think. I don't, do you know Adam from Glorious Matthew? Um, I know of him. I don't know him personally. Badass collage artist. Yes. I think they're awesome, very creative. Um, like they did a collage workshop at um, Lowercase Books recently. Just great person. I think they would be really cool. Um, let me see who else that I would recommend. It's like, I really like, I, I almost feel like I'm giving like a shout out to my friends. No, dude, Because <laughs> you, fine. you already interviewed Esther, obviously. Incredible. Um, Brittany from Level Up Studios is incredible. Um, they do like epoxy work, um, Love them. Yeah, I think I follow them on Instagram. Yeah, Pretty they're sure great. I do. Love them. Um, I I just feel like I really love Kimmy from Handmage, Nikki from Mountain Moon. I I know those two are super 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 busy all the time, but those are some makers that I really like love and respect. Um, gosh, well, let me pull. Oh, here we go, digging through the phone. I was like, we're just we're just throwing out all the shout outs I can, right? Yeah, now. that's fine. That's what this part of the show is for, for sure. Um, because you know, uh, this is a the benefit for this is twofold. Because uh, I don't know everybody, and yeah. uh, this is a good like uh, compass to keep me chasing guests. You know, if I if I ask one person for three people, then I might be able to get one of those three people, and then you know the the show keeps rolling. Mary from Cosmic Chaos. She does amazing jewelry work. Would recommend. It's like, that's kind of, I would say, there's a solid five. Okay, that'll work. Yeah. I was like, those are, those are the makers, like, anytime I see any of them, I'm going to go say hi and see what they've been working on. Nice. Because those are makers I follow regularly. All right, and if you would uh, introduce yourself and then tell people your socials and your websites and all that jazz, okay. and then we can uh, hit the button and end this thing. All right. Well, once again, my name's Amy, A-M-E. Uh, my handle is Art. You can find me on Instagram or TikTok. Um, I'm more on Instagram than TikTok. I don't... TikTok is for the youth, and the, I am 30. The youth. <laughs> the youth. Um... <laughs> But yeah, you can also email me at June Dog Art if you have any questions. Um, I probably won't be at markets much this year, but hit me up on social. And yeah, thank you, you for having me. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you for doing the thing. I appreciate you taking time to come talk to me on the couch in the secret studio location. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate your time. This has been the next episode of the KAAMP. My name is Thomas Zachary. If you want to support the podcast, you can uh listen to the episodes you can share them you can um play them at loud volumes out of your car when you go through town and let people know what's up that'd be really cool um or you can just uh ask people nicely to put the show in their ear holes and i would be greatly appreciative um if you want to support my creative endeavors you can Buy art from me at TTW Artworks on Instagram. It's TTW underscore Artworks. I make all kinds of crazy shit. And uh, I hope you like it. This has been the KAAMP. I'm Thomas. And uh, we're out.